0: I suspect all of us have things that we just are very comfortable with. We like them. Um, I brought a couple along that I possessed. Um, One are these shoes. You probably have shoes like these. They are now so thin that I can feel any rock that I step on as I walk in them. They're pretty ratty and beat up. But they have been so many miles with me, I just love these shoes. I know I can depend on them. If I wear them, they'll be comfortable, and I just can't get rid of them. Even though my wife's like, no, you're not wearing those, no. Well, I brought one other. These are one of my treasures. I have a, a number of tools, craftsman tools, that were actually all my dad's on the farm. They're probably, I figured out, 80, 90 years old. But they still, I, they worked on his tractor and his machinery, and now they work on my cars. And I can count on those craftsman tools. They're just dependable. You probably have some things in your life that way too, whether it's some clothes, some shoes, something else that you just, you love, because you know you can count on them. You know what you're going to get. And it's not just things, is it? it's people. Those sometimes we feel like few people that we know we can count on. If they say they'll do something for us, they'll do it. And we don't have to worry about it. If they say they'll be somewhere, we know they will be there. We don't have to double check. And those people become treasures, don't they? Because there's a lot of people we can't count on. A lot of people we don't feel are dependable, whether that's at work or the neighborhood or even in our families but those few that we can really count on they become very important to us we lean on them don't we well the question of the day is what about god can we depend on god we're not the first ones who've asked that question we're going to look at somebody else who asked that question But before we do that, um, we are in a series when we're looking at the names of God. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it. I've been working on it longer than you, getting ready for it. But the reason I'm enjoying it is there are a number of names of God used in the Bible. And what I think is so awesome about this, they're not aliases. Like God sort of switched names depending on what He feels like. They're names that help us see different aspects of God. And God is so big, He is so complex, He is so many things for us, it takes dozens of names for us to be able to just begin to understand God and who He is and what He's like. Last week when we started this series, we looked at the beginning of the Bible, In the beginning, mighty God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And that's really the first name we see of God in the Bible. And it's really through quite a bit of the beginning of the Bible. Because the first thing God wants us to know about Him is that He is this mighty, powerful God. He could speak and create the world. He could speak and put the stars in their place. That's God. And he wants us as humans to understand that. We serve this mighty God. And it's Elohim who does all of this for us. But the question still comes, can we depend on God? Is this mighty God someone that we as humans can count on? Elohim, this mighty God, talked to Adam and Eve. This mighty God talked to Noah and sent the floods and and reformed the world. This mighty God, when humans thought they would build a temple and reach their own way to heaven in a place called Babel, this mighty God comes and says, no, you won't. And he creates languages and spreads humans around the world. That's Elohim. It is Elohim, this mighty God who comes into what we would call today Iraq. And finds a name, a man named Abram. Abraham we call him. At that time he was Abram. And he says, Abram, I want to call you out of this. Come to a place I will show you. I have chosen you, and from you I will build a nation. I will build a people that are going to be mine. The people of mighty God, Elohim. And I'm going to do this. And Abram says, okay. And he leaves Ur of the Chaldees, and he comes down to what we would call Israel or Palestine today. But nothing happens. From Abram's perspective, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I had all this promise in Ur the Chaldees, and I came down here, and time has gone by. And Abram and his wife Sarah, they don't even have one child. And he's supposed to be a mighty nation. And, and And they don't have a bunch of land, they're nomads. And they've moved around several times. And they're they're wondering about God. Can I depend on God? And in their doubting, in their impatience, Sarah sends her slave, Hagar, in, and Abram sleeps with her and Ishmael is born. They're going to try and take care of this because they're not sure they can depend on God. Well, that was never what God planned on. He didn't need their help, and that's not the solution, and Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nations, and we see today the results of them trying to do things on their own, and so Abram finally sort of has a heart-to-heart with God because he's saying, God, where are you? And before we look at what Abram says, or God says to Abram, I want to stop a minute. Because I think we can all identify with Abram, can't we? Maybe you're not there today, maybe you are. But I would suspect that almost all of us have been at some point in a place where we say, God, are you up there? David cries out, how long, O Lord, do I have to wait? Abram saying, I'm 99 years old, 99 years old, and I don't have a child. God, can I depend on you? Are you saying that today? Maybe it's for a medical reason, a diagnosis. Maybe it's for a loved one. Whether it's medical or an addiction, maybe it's some broken relationship. Maybe it's something financial. We get hit from all directions. Maybe it's about our job or lack of a job. We get hit from all kinds of directions and we say, God, are you up there? Can I really depend on you? Well, we read in seventeen Genesis 17, how God responds to Abram when he says, God, can I count on you? When Abram was 99 years old, I am, which means Jehovah, appeared to him. And I am said, I am El Shaddai. I am Almighty God. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. I will do what I promised you, Abram. I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Now, there's a little interesting trivia in here I want you to catch, okay? Last week when we started this series, we looked at two names for God the one that begins in the beginning, Elohim, mighty creator God, who has unlimited power, for whom nothing is too difficult. And it has been this mighty God who has talked to um, Adam, has talked to Noah, has flooded the earth, and ended flooding the earth, and said, I'll never do it again, despite my power. It is this mighty God is called Abram but there is a time when Moses says to God what is your name and we looked at that last week because God said my name is I am I am which is what we pronounce the word Jehovah the meaning of Jehovah is I am where God says I am whatever you need to be I am here eternally now there's a little interesting. Did you notice what I read? I am showed up and said to Abram. But I am had not told his name to Abram. But Genesis was written by Moses. Moses knew God's name. God had told him, My name is Jehovah. My name is I am. I am whatever you need me to be. I am. And so Moses knows, as he writes down Genesis, he knows who showed up and talked to Abram. He knows it was God who says, I am who you need me to be, Abram, and I am for you, El Shaddai, God Almighty. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, we've got mighty God, and we've got God Almighty Aren't those sort of the same thing? Well, in some ways, yeah, they are. But in some ways, they have a whole different meaning. There is El Shaddai. Remember, Hebrew writes from right to left. Your Hebrew Bible, you start at the back of the book, and you read towards what we call the front of the book. It's really weird one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I was required to study it for a year, and I quit as soon as I didn't have to take it anymore. God Almighty. Now, a lot of the names we're going to see of God start with L on the far right. L this. And what it does is it takes this quality of God And says, now, this is this, but it's God. And so it's exponentially multiplied. Because it's God who is this. And what is Shaddai? It is, at its core word, mountain. El Shaddai is the mountain god. Now, I want you to picture in your own mind, forget God for a minute. What is the most majestic mountain you've ever seen? Think about that. Where was it? Maybe for you it's going to be a picture. I was saying, well, somebody might say the Mount, Rock of Gibraltar, this enormous mountain that rises out of the Mediterranean. Or is it a, a, a someplace in the Rockies you've been, or the Appalachians, or wherever it might be, the North Shore. Those are hills, but we'll we'll take it. Whatever that is, that enormous mountain that you've seen, God says, now multiply that exponentially and that is me. This mighty, this unmovable, this enduring forever, this cannot be shaken, cannot be moved, that's me, that's God. Abram, you don't have to worry. The mountain God is here. It is this God who cannot be moved who has made you a promise. And you may be doubting, Abram, but you don't need to because I am El Shaddai. And that's what you need. So I am, says for you, in your circumstance, you need me to be El Shaddai. This mighty God who will not be moved, who is the source of whatever you need. That's who I am, Abram. You don't need to worry. I'll keep my promise to you. I am El Shaddai. One more piece of interesting trivia. And I think it helps us get a handle on the meaning of the name. This name for God, El Shaddai, is used 31 times in just the book of Job. It's only used 17 times in the rest of the entire Bible. Who needed a God who was a mountain who could not be moved if it wasn't Job? Who had lost everything. And with Abram would say, God, can I depend on you? And God as El Shaddai comes to him and says, Job, you can depend on me. And we see how God is faithful to Job and turns his life around despite all that he's lost. God is faithful to him. Job can count on him. And that's who comes to Abram. Now it's interesting because it doesn't end there. Jump down two generations to Abram's grandson. At their 99-year-old place in life, Abram and Sarah do have one son, Isaac, and they are thrilled beyond words that God has kept his promise. God has been faithful. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob is in charge, and Jacob reaches that same point because he has no nation, there's not all these people around. And so he has sort of this same discussion with God. God, are you really going to keep this promise? Turn over to Genesis 35. I want to read a couple verses. And remember I explained because in your Bible, if you look it up, it's going to say, and the Lord said to him. But your translation probably will have the word Lord in all caps. That is following the custom of the ancient Jews who could never say, uh, mighty God. No, I'm saying that wrong. Never mind. Disregard what I just said. Verse 11 begins, And Elohim, mighty God, said to Jacob, I am El Shaddai, I am the mountain God, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. You don't have to worry, Jacob. I am El Shaddai. I am the mountain God who is not moved and does not change and can take care of any situation. And, of course, it is from Jacob that the 12 tribes come. And the nation of Israel comes. A nation of Israel that has endured to this day because El Shaddai said, I will do this. You don't have to worry. Here's the trick with all this. No, not, it's not a trick. The challenge with all this. We want to believe that God is El Shaddai. This, this God who cannot be moved, who will accomplish what he says he will accomplish except when we look on our circumstances today on this date, we circle this date on the calendar. And on a lot of dates on the calendar, it doesn't feel like he's El Shaddai, does it? We evaluate whether God is dependable or not too often based on my circumstances today. And if my circumstances today aren't what I want them to be, Then I feel like, God, are you dependable? Can I count on you? But remember, when God spoke that to Abram, he had no children. His circumstances were not evidence that God was dependable. When God spoke to Jacob, he didn't have all 12 of those kids. He didn't have the nation of Israel yet. What God was saying is, you're going to have to have faith. But I am the God of the mountain. And you can trust me. I will keep my word. I will come through. God is dependable even if we don't see that right now in our circumstances. And I understand that's the hard part. And there are times Abram had gone for decades without children. And God said, you've got to trust me. And there are times God says to us, I need you to trust me. For a time, for right now, there are unpleasant circumstances in your life. And though you want me to fix them for reasons that you may not understand, I am not fixing them now. But that does not mean you can't count on me. I am El Shaddai, and nothing moves me. I'm not going away, and there's nothing too big for me to handle. Is it dividing the Red Sea? Got that covered. Is it having two 99-year-olds have a baby? Got that covered. Is it raising up from one man 12 nations and creating a nation that can endure for 3,000, 4,000 years? despite numerous nations trying to wipe out that nation, despite it politically and geographically being erased from the maps for almost 2,000 years, and then suddenly that nation is back because it never went away, the circumstances may not make us feel like God is dependable. And there's one other thing I need to be honest and and fair in God's credit. One of our struggles with God is not just about his promises, but what we think he should do. And there is a difference. God did not say, I will do anything you think I should do. I'm the mountain God. What he said is, I will do everything I promised you I will do. And there is a difference. We all are there. There are things that we are convinced God should do. And if you're like me, I can get out a legal pad and I can write 42 reasons why, God, you should do this. But that is not a promise from God. And there are times God won't do what I want him to do. Despite all of my logic. And he warns us up front, that passage I use all the time from Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways, God says. You've got to remember that. I'm not going to do everything you want me to do. That would mean you're God and you're not. And so there are times God puts us in places we don't want to go, doesn't fix things we think he should fix. But that does not mean he is not a faithful God. It does mean he will keep his promises and he will do what is best for us. He promised that. He will provide for us. He promised that. All those promises he keeps. Some of our requests and wishes. He says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And it's not because he's not dependable. It's because he's God and he's smarter. And he sees a bigger perspective. And he's looking at eternity. And he's realizing that by us going through this, other lives are being touched. And that's what he's trying to do. All kinds of reasons that cause him to not do what he wants. What we want. But that does not mean he is not the mountain God who cannot be shaken. He is El Shaddai. Can you relate to Abraham, to Jacob, who David says, how long, O Lord, do I need to wait for you? Are you listening? I am so glad those Psalms are in there because I start to feel like spiritually I am this wimp. I don't have any faith. God, where are you? And then I realized, well, David had that same question and he was a man after God's own heart. Abraham had that same question. Jacob had that same question. We're going to see in a minute people in the New Testament had that same question. And we need to hear that reassurance back from God. I am El Shaddai. I am a mountain that cannot be moved. Can you count on me? Yes, you can. I'm not going anywhere and I don't change. You can count on me. There's a testimony I want us to hear from the New Testament. It's the Apostle Paul. He repeatedly asked God to do something. God wouldn't do it. He was right there with Abram, right there with Jacob. You're probably familiar with what Paul finally learned. It's in 2 Corinthians 12. He says three times, and and he uses the language three times, I intently begged God to do this, to fix this. And God didn't fix it. But God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough, for my power is made complete in weakness. Stop there for just a second. I want you to grab that. It is in our moments of weakness that God's power is most fully revealed, most completely shown. And that's part of why He doesn't fix everything we want Him to fix. Paul got that finally. So let's go on. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I want to see more of Christ's power. So weaknesses are fine. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am the weakest, God makes me the strongest. That is the same God Elohim. This El Shaddai, this powerful God. In your weakness, look to God. He is faithful. He was faithful for Abraham. He was faithful for Jacob. He was faithful for Job he was faithful for Paul. It is El Shaddai who finishes our story. At the end of the Bible in Revelation 17, uh, Revelation 11, we give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, the unmovable mountain God The one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. And John gives us a picture of the future that is coming when the mountain God who will not be moved says, Enough! I will not be moved and all that I have promised to do, I am doing today. And Christ is here. And this broken world is going to be fixed now. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more brokenness. There will be no more death. Because I, God Almighty, El Shaddai, the mountain God who could never be moved, has not moved. And I am keeping my word, and I am doing what I said I would do. It's finished. And everything is fixed. And we are ready to start eternity together in a perfect world. And it is El Shaddai who will do that. The God who will never fail us. He wants to be that God for you. And if you have come today feeling as Abram did, I want you to see that your God is that same God. And Abram could count on him. And God came through. Job could count on him and God came through. Paul could count on him and God came through. And El Shaddai will come through for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are such a great God. We need dozens of names to begin to understand you. And we need you to be all of those things. And sometimes we desperately need you to be El Shaddai, the mountain God who cannot be moved. Help us, Father. Help us hold on to your hand and trust you when we don't see what you're doing. When you ask us to wait. When you have a different path for us to walk. Help our faith. That we know you will not be moved. We can trust you. Increase our faith. Strengthen us to hold on to you. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.